Well, boys, what are you going to sing? The squeezer was not any use. A lemon without any juice. Hi, I'm Annie. And I'm Jacob. And you're listening to Boo to a Goose, a podcast about idioms, expressions, and slang. From across the pond. Oh, that was weird. Yeah, it was a little switcheroo. Yeah. We switched up on you guys. Yeah. Because this is another American expression. Ooh. Yeah, usually it's... Annie does the research on the British stuff, and Jacob goes all, what? What? But now we're switching it around. Okay. Now you get to go all. What? What? Exactly. Um, and uh, let's talk about how this came about, how this conversation happened. Um, uh, I oh. fully believed on election night that the current president would continue to be the president and would get a second term. Yeah. And I was you really, were not fun to be around. I was really grousy about it understandably, I think a lot of people had that moment maybe that night where they were like, ugh, again? Um, but things turned around. They did. And that means that the next day, I went around saying, hey, I'm going to have to eat some crow right now. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm willing to eat crow. And I went, what? Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly, yeah. What? What? Why what? would you eat crows? Right. You know, crows are very intelligent creatures. That's true. The corvids are and very And I don't remember them ever being part of anyone's diet that I'm aware of. Well, that's a lot of what I uncovered in my oh. research. So first of all, um, now that you've seen context, what do you think eating crow means? Um, well, when you've said it to me, it means like you are taking back a comment or you're saying that you've been wrong. You're like owning up to it. Yeah, essentially. Like, uh, the definition that I could find is, the full definition is humiliation by admitting having been proven wrong after taking a strong position. Oh, so yeah. it's like much more than what I assumed. Humiliation. Right. It's, it's Being when... Being humiliated. Right. When I said, I can't believe this, I'm so angry, I'm so angry at uh, the, 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 the people who were responsible for Joe Biden winning, not doing their job, and like this is should have been such a slam dunk, and they just didn't do what they were supposed to do. Um, and then the next day I said, you know what, I was wrong, and I didn't give them enough credit, uh, and it still could have been better, um, and we're still kind of mired in the nonsense at the moment, but, but... Let's just revel in the victory. Revel in the victory, yes. There's, but they did, it wasn't, it was a win, it was the accomplishment. Yeah. And I looked kind of like a chump. Yeah. And that's what eating crow is. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so it's a little bit harsher than what I originally thought. I just thought it was you going, do you know what? I hold my hands up. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I admit it. I admit I was wrong. But it's more than that. It's like saying, like, not only do I admit I was wrong, I'm, like, humiliated because I had such a strong stance on something. It's not just me being like, oh, I can't remember the color of something. It might be purple or it might be yellow. Hmm. Oh, you wouldn't say you're eating crow if you got that wrong. You have to have like a really strong stance on something, right? Yeah, you. You, and you, you have really to be have to... humiliated when you're proved wrong. It has to be a humbling experience, I think, in order for mm. in order for it to be eating crow. And I, I mean, I, 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 you never want to eat crow. In fact, uh, the 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 concept of eating crow has been always considered to be something bad. Going all the way back to this is true Leviticus. Really? This is it, uh, not a lot of this, but just the idea of literally eating 
a bird, this particular bird. So I wonder as well, so we're talking about how this is an American expression that I haven't heard of. Sure. Is this just me being non-worldly to not have heard of this or is is it actually an american expression it does originate in america it does originate oh in okay States, yes. oh okay interesting oh. so it's not something that's because we've looked at things before sometimes that have been british mm-hmm. but then maybe they've fallen out of fashion but mm-hmm. then they haven't fallen out of fashion in america sure um because arguably some linguists say that you guys speak a closer um language to old english than oh english the, the idea that like the the British accent developed after the American Revolution, sort of? Um, not the accent, the actual language. Oh, okay. Like American uh, English is actually closer to original English. Oh, that's interesting. I, I've not English, heard that. English, English. Okay. Yeah, your dad told me that. Oh, okay. That's yeah. cool. So it must be true. <laughs> yeah, probably. Very smart man. Uh, but yeah, uh, the crow is listed in Leviticus chapter 11 as being unfit for eating. It's a tradition that Western culture, uh, in Western culture going back to the Middle Ages, to not eat scavenging animals. Crows, rats, buzzards, etc. Oh, like vultures. Yeah. Um, we don't have vultures in England, but yeah. You've seen that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I've seen Jungle Book. Yeah. So the, the you never want to eat crow. That's and, and like so the but the idea of it being used in sort of a figurative or uh, um, metaphorical sense didn't come around for much much later. Hmm. Uh, the oldest example that I could find, well, and I found essentially two possible. Originations of the Can definition. Can I pause you yes. there and just just talk about how interesting it is that a portion of the Bible, right, specifically goes to say, like specifically says, what not to do to prevent disease. I just find that really fascinating. Oh, because well, they're saying don't eat crows, right? Because you know, sca- scavenging animals probably are, are closer to decaying things and right. therefore disease. And yeah. That, that's where they're it's potentially more resilient to the problems yeah, that we I mean, up. I've told you about the time when um, we, me and my sister were meant to do a reading for a christening. Mm-hmm. Um, a good friend of ours, she has twins, and me and my sister did a reading. And she said, I don't mind what you read, you pick it out. Mm-hmm. So me and my sister sat down with the Bible and we said, oh, I don't know what to, what to pick here. But, so we flicked through and we looked at different passages. I found a whole, like... I don't think it's called a chapter in the Bible, but I can't remember the right word. Right. Um, basically, just on if this you have a rash on your skin, do this. Yeah. Go see a priest, or do this, or don't do this, or pray, or do that. Like it was like a medical ex excerpt. There's lots and lots of weird rules and things. I mean, that's essentially where the uh, the concept of keeping kosher started. Mm. Uh, which I mean, again, I, I'm sure that. Some people probably listen to this and go, that's not really, but as far as I understand it, the reason that pork and shellfish were forbidden in the Torah is because those were the hardest things to keep clean, and they would they were more likely to make you sick than beef or chicken or anything. Yeah. I don't know where don't boil a calf and its mother's milk came from. I don't know what that has to do with anything, the idea of right. keeping meat and cheese separate. I don't know what that does. But... Uh, meat and milk, rather. Also, don't well, I kind of get it. Don't boil a calf in this mother's milk. It's kind of disrespectful. Right, but um, that comes from like more of a tradition and more of like a connection to the animal, as opposed to these, which I'm sure were oh, explicitly hell. because people would get sick. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So don't eat crow. It might make you ill. Yeah. Mm. I mean, and and I don't know that it. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't actually pull up the Bible verse itself, so I don't know if it's God saying don't eat crow or a story of someone eating crow and then people saying, oh, you shouldn't eat that. It'll make you sick. 
Like it, it, not so much of a religious requirement, like a commandment, or if it's just like a, oh, hey, by the way, also don't eat cactus needles because your mouth will bleed. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, we shouldn't have to tell you, like, this is something less obvious. <laughs> well, eating crow is less obvious. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it, I mean, it could be a passage rather than a story. I mean, it's surprising how much is in the Bible just kind of being like, blah, 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 don't do this. Like, like the one I was saying, like, if thou sees a rash, thou take it to a priest. Yeah, thou shall coat it with aloe plus vera. <laughs> Twice daily, <laughs> flipping in the sun to dry properly. We'll have to re-look at that passage. Three parts water. I don't remember them mentioning saying hello to anyone called Vera. <laughs> Dreadful. So, that was bad. <laughs> uh, Can we edit that out? Uh, I don't know how. In the modern <laughs> sense of being proven wrong, uh, this phrase probably first appeared in print in 1850 in an American humor piece about a rube farmer in New York entitled Eating a Crow. Oh. This piece and other iterations of it, like sort of like retellings or reinterpretations, but the same be the beats were exactly the same. Essentially, uh, it's an old farmer who lives in the vicinity of uh, Lake Mahopak, which was like a vacation destination. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the vacation houses were full, so he, this farmer... Where? New York, Lake Wapohawk. Oh, in New York In New York, state? yes. New York State, yeah, upstate probably, yeah. Um... Yeah, he, he owns a farm, and there and people wanted to go up to visit the lake, but all the hotels and everything were full, so he had borders in his farm. And they were complaining that his food was bad. Uh, they had nothing fit to eat. Uh, so he says, darn it, what a fuss you are making. I can eat anything. And then one of the boarders says, could you eat a crow? And he and the farmer goes, yeah, I can eat a crow. Uh, so And they bet a hat. Bet you a hat, said the boarder. So I guess that was how they were wagering, instead of using, like, money, which definitely existed, they were like, I'll bet you a hat. Does that relate to the idea of, um, you know, you have you heard of the saying, well, if I'm wrong, I'll eat my hat? I was, I'll get to that later. Yeah. Oh, really? It's connected? It, it, so it essentially means the same thing. Yeah, like, eat your hat. Um, as far as I can tell, no, it's not related. Oh, that's one we actually do use. In this instance. Crazy. Um, But, uh, yeah, like... Uh, that that basically means the same thing. That is a much more recent thing. I think I believe that was what I found said early twentieth century. Mm -hmm. um, and it's but that's just like an expression of like I'll do something stupid. Like if I'm wrong, because eating crow is something you do after saying I'll eat my hat is something you say before. That's true because it's like saying that you know there's no possible way you could be wrong because nobody would possibly eat a hat. Right, and you, and also you would never say, um, if I'm wrong, then I'll eat crow. Well, I mean, I guess you would say, but that, that doesn't seem, eating crow is past tense. Mm. Um, or eating crow refers to something that you've already made a mistake. And eating, eating a hat refers to future tense. Yeah, exactly. Oh, interesting. And like, eating a hat is like, this thing is so unlikely, so ridiculous. I'll eat my hat. I'll eat my hat. The topmost part of my clothes. <laughs> Probably the one that's hardest to eat, if we're being mm. honest. The most rigid, you know. Yeah. I'll, I'd eat pants, shirt, socks. I'd eat all that before I could eat a hat. Good to know. Right. In case, you know, in case things go down to it. I'll, I will eat my eat my shorts, as Bart Simpson might say. <laughs> yeah. Which is not to do with being wrong at all. It's just a... That's a different one. That's just an FU. People just eating stuff. That's just saying, go away, or... Eat my shorts. Eat my shorts is like, screw you. Yeah. Yeah, within the context. And I think his shorts are his underwear. He's saying, like, kiss my butt. That's the same idea. Oh. That's how I always interpreted it. Eat my shorts. <laughs> we should do an episode just based on Simpsons. Oh, my God. I would love that. <laughs> I know. They Why did added I even a few words that? to the lexicon. Hmm. We'll get into it in a, in a future episode. So, 
Um, the bet was made, the crow was caught and nicely roasted, but before serving it up, they contrived to season it with a good dose of scotch snuff. Now, you may be wondering, what is scotch snuff? Well, snuff is like tobacco that you sniff, right? Right. And scotch is whiskey. Right. Both the answer both together? The answer is I don't know. Oh. I have no idea. I just saw scotch snuff, and I read a few different things, and no one talked about it. So yeah. I have no idea what scotch snuff is. I should probably should have looked that up, too. I mean... I'm, could, I'm not used to doing the research. It could mean, like, Scottish snuff. I don't know. Maybe. Um... But before serving it, so they, they served it, Isaac, the, the farmer, they named him Isaac at one point, sat down, to, uh, sat down to the crow. He took a good bite and began to chew away. Yes, I can eat a crow. I can eat a crow, but I'll be damned if I hanker at it. Hanker after it. So essentially saying, I'll do it, but I'll never want to do it. It didn't taste nice. You're not right. going to be on a drive home thinking, oh, I can't wait to get home and eat that crow. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a... It's like, no pizza. Sure, it's a survival tactic. It's yeah. something. It's something that you have to do. Like, no, think about all the stories you've heard about survivalists who have to drink their own pee. Mm-hmm. None of them want to do it, except maybe Bear Grylls. None of them yeah. want to do it. Bear Grylls, I think, likes it. None of them want to do it. <laughs> but this is an instance where he had to do it to prove a point, and he didn't like it, but he sucked it up and he ate the crow. And I think that's really what eating crow is about. That's so interesting that it came from this very specific story. And that that story cartoon in a newspaper. No, it was it was a fiction piece. It was just oh, a, a fiction piece. Yeah, it wasn't a cartoon. Oh, I don't. Where did I get that from? Maybe because it was in a newspaper, and I read yeah. a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. I've been reading that Popeye compilation lately. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably. I'm like, if Jacob's discussing it, it must be in cartoon format. I could totally see a, a, a Popeye strip from 1930 having this exact storyline. Yeah, but it's so strange that it came from like a short story then yeah and then made it into such common usage mm-hmm. hmm. yeah it, it, and then it and so that the story wasn't really supposed to have a lesson like that that's sort of been a, an after the fact interpretation the story was just supposed to be a humor piece hmm. and that was supposed to be the height of humor in 1888 so so funny oh my god he ate a crow <laughs> oh so good we just eat other birds that don't fly. Yeah. It does make you think, though. Like, uh, we eat a lot of birds. Yeah. Uh, as humans, we eat uh, chicken and turkey and duck and quail and pheasant and Cornish game hen and... Uh, in the West, yes, we eat these. In the West, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what other birds are consumed in other places around the world. I'm sure. Do people eat ostrich? Do people yeah. eat... Okay. In fact, in, in England, you can get ostrich burgers. Oh, okay. Yeah, they sell them at, like, food trucks. Oh, nice. Okay, so people eat ostrich. Yeah, that's a thing. Uh, Emu, people eat emus. Yeah. Going out to my Uncle Mike in Australia Probably Australia, yeah. That one's for you. Um, What other birds do people eat? So one of the the trivia questions I did a lot when I was working on ships was, what's the largest bird in the world? Mm -hmm. And in Australia, they would often say emu. Most of the time they knew it was ostrich, but they'd often say emu. And I'd go, no, it's ostrich. And then they'd go, oh, right. We just see emus all the time, <laughs> so we just assume. There's just emus everywhere. And there's a story. Oh, shout out to uh, Jesse and Wilder, who do a podcast called Jesse and Wilder's Got to Life, but on their previous podcast, Backward Star Galactica, where they talk about Battlestar Galactica, but they don't talk about something else. They talked about this: the Great Emu Wars, where basically a bunch of emus took over a piece of territory in Australia, and humans tried to take it back and lost repeatedly. <laughs> and then only got the land back when the emus just left or died or whatever. That sounds about right. They're yeah. pretty ferocious animals. Yeah, they're dangerous. So ostriches. So I'm surprised that we managed to kill them and eat them. Yeah. yeah. We must have a tactic. I guess. I mean, 
you know, cows stampede, but we eat them. Yeah, that's true. We fight bulls. Yeah. I wonder what happens to those bulls. I don't know if we're, if stampede is the correct word, I mean. I mean, like... Cow stampede? Yeah, is that a thing? Why wouldn't it be? Oh. If it's big and it's running. <laughs> I think I was thinking of bulls more than cows, but, sure. but yes. Uh, so another... We've gone on a tangent here. Ah, that's, that's the show. <laughs> so uh, another piece that I found, an article published in the Atlanta Constitution in 1888 claims that toward the end of the War of 1812, an American went hunting and by accident crossed behind British lines where he shot a crow. He was caught by a British officer who, complimenting him on his fine shooting, persuaded him to hand over his gun. This officer then leveled his gun and said that as punishment, the American must take a bite of the crow. The American obeyed, but when the British officer returned his gun, he took his revenge by making him eat the rest of the bird. This is such an inventive novelization of the phrase's etymology that it seems a shame to point out that the original expression was not recorded until the 1850s, and that the original form was to eat boiled crow. Oh. Whereas, so this is so, definitely... So, so this is another theory as to where it came from. But the idea that it came from the short story, is that, like, pretty decided, or is it so argued? So, the, the short story, uh, it, the short story, Eating a Crow, the one that I read, I, I misspoke earlier, I confused it with this one. This one that I just recited was first saw print in 1888, whereas the one about the farmer eating the crow to prove a point first saw print in 1850. Uh. So, that one definitely predates. So, I, I would be shocked to discuss, I, 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 I firmly believe that the story about the War of 1812 was a fiction. Mm. And they just used a recent-ish war, a, re a war that was still fresh mm -hmm. in people's minds with American participation. They don't want to talk about the Civil War, I guess. Um, talking and about how surprising is it that uh, a saying, even about being hideously wrong, is somehow patriotic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you'll see a lot of that in American text. That comes up a lot more in, in, uh, when I do an American text. Oh, we're wrong, but it is a patriotic expression right. about being wrong. And somehow guns are still involved. It's, yeah. Yeah, guns, <laughs> patriot, like, being patriotic and guns. Yeah. Yeah. That's America. Sure. Uh, yeah, so um, the original form, uh, I suppose, from the 1850 story was that it was boiled crow, whereas this version, purportedly from 1812, now we know it's not, uh makes no mention of boiling the bird. So, probably not earlier, but this is another instance of someone maybe trying to hop onto, oh, this is where eating crow comes from. I made this up. So you look, it's older, you know. Yeah. Disputed. However, there is a phrase that is of British origin yeah. that means roughly the same thing that eating, you guys use. Eating your hat? No. no. Oh. Eating humble pie? Oh, yeah. You eat a piece of humble pie. Right. That's a British thing. Oh, really? Yes. I would have thought with pie it would have been American. You guys love pie. You guys love pie. Oh, yeah. We like, like, meaty pies. You guys like, like, cherry and pumpkin Well, pies. we're talking about a bird. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you, a chicken pie. Yeah, I love chicken pie. Yeah, so this is a this is a crow pie. Although, well, okay, but not real. So, well, what about blackbirds in a pie? Yeah, those are Four essentially crows. blackbirds baked in a pie. Yeah. When the pie was opened, the birds began to sing. Now, but wasn't that a dainty dish to sit up on the cake? Right, that's it. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with children for a number of years now. <laughs> I always thought it was weird that they called them four and twenty. Like, somebody must have been high when they wrote that. <laughs> Get it? Four twenty? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of that recently. Oh. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but humble is not um, crow. Humble refers to umble. Oh. I thought it just meant, like being humble because you're wrong. That might have come from this. Okay. So, umble 
are the intestines and other less valued meats of a deer, and there is a belief that they made pies from these parts and serve them to those of a lower class. There's no evidence to back that up. However, that, I believe that. that is what umbles or humbles are. Oh. So, um, a lower quality uh, food Meat dish. Pie. Yeah. Um, there's also the idea of a similar dish called a rook pie, with rooks being another core of it. Rooks being basically the same as crows. Mm. So, potentially. On top of that, this is where things get really interesting, I think. The Oxford English Dictionary contains a definition for a word, where the definition is intestine or mesentery of an animal. And that word is crow. Oh. So the word crow has many definitions. It doesn't just bird, mean the bird. You know, complaining, people crowing about something, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But one of those definitions is you what might call the intestines of an animal the crow of the animal. So eating crow ties back in in that regard as well. Eating the intestines of an animal, which is the same as eating humble pie. Yes. Oh. So the Brits made it up anyway. It, it, like, <laughs> this could be, like, uh, a coincidence. I couldn't find a timeline on this particular stuff. Okay. Um, so it could be a coincidence or it could be cause and effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that humble pie and eating crow potentially, theoretically, have the same origin and mean kind of the same thing. I could just sworn humble pie. I, I, you're right. We do say that, and I know that expression very well. But mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't know it was British. Yeah, it is. Eating humble pie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you for doing your research. My pleasure. I thought this was a really cool one. We haven't done an animal one in a while. I feel like we do an animal one every two or three. Yeah, we don't often talk about eating them, though. So this was a new animal. That's true. Food ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, We and we brought in a... What's the name of that nursery rhyme with the four and twenty? Uh, it's about a king. It's about blackbirds. Right. Sing a song of sixpence, a pocket full of rye. Yes. Four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. Right. When the pie was open, the birds began to sing. Now, wasn't that a dainty dish to set upon the king? I always think it's Old King Cole because that's a king, but they don't bring up the king until the last line of the... Yeah, sing a it's song not of six Old King Cole. Yeah. I can't remember how that one goes. That's a wild... Like, man, there's so many nursery rhymes. We could do totally do there's episodes so of nursery rhymes. There's so many nursery rhymes that are super strange. Yeah. I was recently looking after an adorable 18 months year old, 18 months old. Sure. Not year old. Um... And uh, we used to read nursery rhymes, and every once in a while I'd be like, oh, this is a bit yeah. strange. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll do an episode on nursery rhymes. If you... Well, the subtext in nursery rhymes, if... like the plague. Right. Yeah, uh, Ring Around the Rosie. Everyone yeah. knows that. Everyone but knows that really, one. there yeah. is. Uh, if you have any nursery rhymes that you think are interesting, that you'd like us to get into, and you don't happen to know the origin, you can think of the nursery rhyme, then uh, we'll gladly do it. You just have to send us a message. Where can they do that, you may ask? On our Facebook page, Jacob yeah. Rubin? Facebook.com slash Buddha a Goose. Just search Buddha for Buddha a Goose. Goose. Or you can send us an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Great. Or you can le- leave your request in a review. Mm. Any of the places that you get these podcasts, if it's on Stitcher or Apple or Amazon Music or wherever. Spotify, Spotify, iTunes. thank you. Uh, you can go ahead and leave a review there and say, oh, I love this podcast. Uh, Jacob and Annie are so funny and it's so interesting and also I wish they would do blank and then we'll I mean it's a review and we're definitely going to read it that's the, probably the best way to get our attention and also leave five stars uh, <laughs> um, anything else? Uh, oh um, I'm always uh, eager to tell people to talk to people oh yeah tell your friends tell your friends and also I do have one more thing I'd like to plug mm-hmm. um, on December 5th I'll be joining the my comrades, the Super Trash Bros. If you aren't familiar with the Super Trash Bros, it's uh, started in San Francisco, but now we have members in uh, New York and Los Angeles, um, and we 
prior to the pandemic, we're doing um, live shows that will be streamed over Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Super Trash Bros. Um, and we're still, they're still doing stuff. I'm, I'm uh, an occasional member, but there's a lot more activity going on when playing Super Smash Brothers or Wargroove or Fall Guys or other different party games. Um, so if you'd like to tune in uh, and check that out. But on December 5th, we're doing a fundraiser where we'll be raising money to go toward the uh, Georgia Senate runoff. Um, to help uh, the Democrats take back the Senate uh, in January. Um, and the way it's going to work is that you sponsor one of the players, and uh, every time they get a KO, you donate a certain amount of money, like a walkathon or mm. something like that, where the, the more that they do, the more money you donate. Uh, and whoever generates the most money, whichever of the six players gets the most, uh, d- donates the most money, will receive a belt with our logo on it that says champion. And I really want to win that belt. So. If you could check out uh, Super Trash, I'll post this on our Facebook page as well. Check out Super Trash Bros and sponsor me. And uh, yeah, let's uh, take back the Senate. So that's Super Trash Bros. Super Trashed Bros. Trashed. Trashed. Like Super Smash Bros, but trashed, past tense trash. Because we, we incorporate uh, drinking aspects into our gameplay. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. That was the original. When OJ and Jesse first came up with it, it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was just Smash Bros with drinking. And I've been to one of their live events pre pandemic right and it was a lot of fun a lot of fun check out super trash bros wherever you check out super trash bros uh i'm jacob and i'm annie and this concludes another episode of a boo a goose thank you for listening and remember nobody says potato boo to a goose is produced by will scoville as a part of the comedio network Thanks to Hannah Wardle for the art and Max Abrams for the theme song, She Couldn't Say Boo to a Goose. Send any questions or comments to boo to a goose podcast at gmail.com. Today, documentary films are experiencing a major renaissance, and for good reason. But why are audiences increasingly choosing fact over fiction? Is it a dearth of realism, like endless comic book sequels and end-of-the-world action movies? Are viewers choosing authentic storytelling over spectacular visuals and far-fetched plots? Or maybe it's because docs f***ing rule. Hi, I'm Paco Romain. And I'm George Chen. And we host SupDoc. We didn't go to film school. We're just two comedians that dork out on docs. And since 2015, we've been recapping amazing documentaries with comedians, actors, and filmmakers like legendary comedians Dana Gould and Todd Glass. Musicians like Yacht and Dan Deacon. And even media stars like Jesse Thorne and Francesca Fiorentini. The AV Club called us enlightening, and Boing Boing said SupDoc is a great idea for a podcast. So find us wherever you get your podcasts or join us at SupDocPodcast.com. And follow us on social media at SupDocPodcast.